Welcome to Comadres y Comics. Comadres y Comics is a podcast hosted by three Latina women. We highlight the Latinx presence in the comic book industry as creators, characters, and fans. Join us as we talk chisme, comics, fandom, and beer. Hello and welcome to a new episode of Comadres y Comics, guys. We are back. This is episode 126 and we are your hosts. I'm Sarah. I'm Kristen. And I'm Jen. Hi, guys. Hello. Hello. How's it going? It's nice and fresh this morning. I feel so like ready for the day. <laughs> I I actually like it's the first time that I've been sitting here in this chair that my butt isn't like wet and soppy from the heat. <laughs> <laughs> wet and sloppy. God. <laughs> Incredible. I like that wet and sloppy. I mean, that's how some people like it. That's true. <laughs> that is true. Um, guys, I can't believe it. The Latino Comics Expo is, we announced it on our Facebook page, but it turns out that it was going to be our first live appearance in like forever. Yep. I, I was all excited and everything. And then they decided to make it virtual this year again. Yes, I think yep. with a lot of the uh, increase in cases and hospitalizations and just variants that it probably is a smart thing for those kinds of events to do um, only because there comes a lot of liability along with that kind of thing where, you know, you in the face of, of statistics and of facts and cases and then you go forward with a an event that is bringing people together in an enclosed situation I think definitely uh liability becomes an issue and just to be safe all around it's probably a good idea for them to have not postponed it but made it virtual and as sad as that made me because I was looking forward to hibiscus uh, margaritas at 9 a.m. <laughs> <laughs> man, that's exactly what I thought too. And I'm like, oh man, I could already taste it just walking around and just with, with my, with you know, with my drink. But yeah, yeah. I remember when we saw that there was literally a bar opened up at the beginning of the convention. I'm like, Latinos know how to do it right. <laughs> absolutely and I was really looking forward to revisiting our friends people we've met at the yeah. conventions and you know like seeing what they're working on and it, it I was really really excited I was going to have um free t-shirts printed up so that we could give away at the convention but oh that's right that's want want but yes, uh, no, I, I, I was really looking forward to it. I was mentally preparing because I've been a kind of a shut in for so many all this time that it like I really need to like mentally prepare and kind of uh, kind of kind of, um, I don't know, cheer my, myself on to say, OK, you're going to go out in October. You're going to be at a table. You're going to meet a lot of people. You're going to conversate, you know, you know, kind of just letting myself kind of believe that and gain strength from it because going out for me is really difficult right now like mm -hmm. I know you you're in you know you work with the public you're in the yeah. in, in the shop so um yeah for me it, it just takes a little bit more like I need a, a I need kind of like a little cheer uh cheer squad in the background 
every day. <laughs> <laughs> or yeah. yummy food and beer to motivate you. Oh, absolutely. My, <laughs> I could picture myself walking the aisles with my drink. I was just like so ready for that. Yeah. Well, it's going to go virtual. Um, Javier has already uh, asked us to participate in a panel virtually. So we definitely are still going to do that. And I'm sure there's going to be a plethora of awesome creators uh, and content um, that is going to be available during the online virtual Latino Comics Expo. So I am looking forward to it regardless. No, you're right. Yeah. One of the things I really love about um, virtual cons is that, like, let's say that I have to go get gas or I have to I have to go get food. I'll just put it on my phone and, like, stream it and I'll listen to all the panels and stuff. And, you know, or if I take a shower, I could put it and stream it like with the, you know, it's just it's the versatility of yeah. having, you know, to you know, you're cooking, you can listen to the panels or, you know, whatever. Or you put your your headphones on and you're cleaning and you're listening to the panels. So I, that, that part I super love about virtual conventions and panels. Yeah. And also you're able to attend all of the panels if you want. You don't have to pick and choose which one. Yeah. Um, they're all in a timely fashion. They're all being released. So I really like that. Definitely. Actually, Comic-Con did it virtually first year, I believe. They did it this year as well. They're planning on doing an in-person in November, I think, or sometime at the end of the year. I don't know if they'll continue with that plan. But that's one thing that everyone uh, who participated was saying that, oh my gosh, I get to see all of my panels. And I was thinking, you get to see them anyway. They put them up on YouTube after. <laughs> do they really? No, I, they do. Oh, well, look at that. I mean, <laughs> I, I just, I'm like, I just do learned people something not new. realize that they I, do that? <laughs> I didn't know that. I didn't know that. And I've been going to con the, this you know, convention forever. The only thing that you miss out on is exclusive content. So say that you go to um, Hall H and it's the Warner Brother uh panel and they give you like the first episode of like some amazing tv show that is going to be dropping in the fall they won't put that up on youtube oh okay but they'll, you'll mm -hmm. you'll get all the content of the panelists talking and questions from the audience and all that oh, okay see i didn't know that now one to grow on <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, now it's time for Chisme de la Semana. I, I got some Chisme. I got a little bit of Chisme going on right now. Um, I just uh, was looking on the internet, and I found out that uh, the Netflix Defenders group is moving over to the Marvel Cinematic Universe finally, right? I mean, I didn't think that was ever going to happen. So are you talking about Luke Cage and Jessica Jones, Jones and, and Iron Fist? And, uh, Daredevil? Oh, <laughs> I, mean, I, I don't know yeah. about Iron Fist. I'm, I'm yeah, so he's a, he was a defender. I know. I'm still salty about that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Incredible. I was thoroughly entertained. <laughs> I I actually stayed up late the night it came out. I don't know. I guess I had nothing to do. I don't know. And I watched it until early in the morning, and then I finished it the next day. I was entertained, but. I mean, the actor himself did leave me a little bit to be desired, but the storyline and everything, I I was like, whatever about it. I really enjoy uh, Matt Fraction's 
uh, rendition of uh, Iron Fist and highly recommend it um, with AHA's um, art. But uh, I don't think it was as bad as people <laughs> complained it to be. <laughs> I mean, in my head right now, as you're talking, I um, I imagine what it was like to watch his uh, fighting scenes. And it just it makes it makes me twitch a little bit. Well, okay. Lewis <laughs> Tan, if it could have been like Ooh, all the Lewis episodes Tan. with him in it mm-hmm. and his fight scenes, his one little scene, oh my gosh, like that would have been amazing. I don't know what his ethnicity or um uh national na- nationality is. Um, so I'm not sure if he. Uh, qualified for playing Shang-Chi, but that would have been amazing if he was Shang-Chi. He's so great. Oh, yeah. And hot. <laughs> yes, he's very hot. Well, we don't know exactly who's mo- really moving from the Defenders to the Marvel Cinematic Universe, but one person we know for sure has been locked in to move to the uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe, and that is Charlie Cox, who plays Daredevil. And I'm excited about that because Daredevil, my God, that really just, oh my God, there were so many levels on that storyline. The acting, the fight scenes, the clothes, the clothes, um, I don't know what you call it, but when you're like really in a really closed uh, environment, like a small room or a closet or a car or whatever, and those fight scenes where you're like closely fighting, those were freaking awesome. Um, I I was really hoping that they use the same, um, not maybe stunt people, but the same, um, the person who teaches the fighting. Oh my God. Mm -hmm. People are probably like, it's called something, something. (laughs) (laughs) but um stunt, stunt actors stunt coordinator uh choreographer fight director fight director yeah. yes yeah, oh my god that. that one was uh, whoever i mean i don't know off the top of my head but he was or she was really awesome so that that daredevil was a slow burn eddie really enjoys it too but he has a lot of experience mm-hmm. with the character and reading the comics i was bored most of the time really yes <laughs> oh my god <laughs> i well personally for the daredevil one i personally enjoyed the catholic angst so i was just like oh this yeah. is delicious <laughs> <laughs> oh my god this is delicious that is awesome <laughs> mm-hmm. so yeah that's i'm really excited about him being on it i mean i would really like jessica jones i really like Kristen ritter yeah. and um i also like luke cage um uh but for now we only have a signed on for sure is uh charlie cox so that actually what's my cheese man all right, guys, it's now time for On My Radar. Kristen, what is on your radar? Okay, so um, for those of you who are constant listeners, you know that I am uh, owner and manager of Heidi Hill Comics in Santa Monica. And that means that I have to do orders for comic books and trade paperbacks that are coming out three months ahead of time. And I just did an order for a book that I cannot wait. And it happens to be a book written by and drawn by creators that we have uh, both uh, reviewed works of theirs before on the show. And um, Terry Blas is writing and Claudia Aguirre is the illustrator. And they are coming out with a book called 
lifetime passes. And the concept of this book just really makes me laugh. I cannot wait to read it. It is a YA book, and it is described as a darkly comedic young adult graphic novel. So a group of teens starts a program to bring senior citizens to a local theme park to take advantage of the, quote, unofficial park policy, unquote, that if someone dies on the property, the rest of their party is given lifetime passes. I think that this is so freaking funny. The concept is amazing. The I, I'm hoping the writing is just as amazing and just, you know, what we've read by Terry before. I'm sure it will be. Claudia is a great, uh, a great uh, artist. I when I read the description of this book, I I ordered so many because I'm like, this sounds so cool. And it's like also that urban legend that you I don't know if any of you have heard it, but in college, um, freshman year in college, oh, yes. I heard the urban legend that if your roommate dies while you um, are in school, you get straight A's for that. I don't know if it's semester or that year or whatever. And there's actually a movie about <laughs> it where this mm-hmm. this uh, this um, main character is basically trying to I can't I never saw the movie and someone was mentioning it to me the other day but basically same thing like I don't know if he I I don't think he's trying to kill his roommate per se but maybe like lead him into danger maybe (laughs) I don't know but um so there's this urban legend is very much still talked about to this day um I look back at all the things that that stories that I heard when I was a freshman in college like uh, coming home to a dark room and not really even going all the way in, just like reaching your hand in and grabbing what you needed. And then like coming back the next morning and your roommate is like murdered in their bed and they were you <laughs> somehow realized that they knew you were there. And so I remember all these stories as a freshman and some of them actually freaked me the F out. but the fact that this um this story and i heard i've heard this too specifically with disneyland i've heard it so um i don't know if it's true or not i tend to believe no because disneyland is very stingy with giving free shit away especially (laughs) lifetime passes but i cannot wait to read it and the story itself follows a group of um teenagers 16 year old jackie chavez loves her local amusement park kingdom adventure maybe more than anything else in the world uh so the park is all she and her friends nikki daniel and burke although they aren't always the greatest friends talk about and so you're gonna get um a lot of more than just this storyline because it says that um it's a that this amusement park is a place where their best memories are and where she feels safe and happy and this means a lot to her because her parents have been deported and forced back to Mexico. So there's a lot of stuff going on, uh, heavy stuff going on in this, uh, in this story, other than the funny uh, idea of these teens taking senior citizens, they make up a a nonprofit organization. (laughs) um, And they go to Valley care living seniors home and they basically say they can't afford um, uh, or they find out they can't afford a season pass. And so they have to figure out a 
basically a plan on how to get in. So um, <laughs> uh, I'm really excited. I also am excited that it, it is a um, girl protagonist and it is a book that is going to be out on October 26, 2021. So you have time to pre-order this book. Um, initial orders just went in for it, but you can still contact your local comic shop and have them order it. Um, I'm not sure if it's on FOC, but definitely still time for you to get a copy of your very own. And it will also also be online, I believe, on Comixology. It's 160 pages, full color, and I definitely am looking forward to it. Yeah, that's just really awesome. That really does. All right, guys, it's now time for La Hora de la Cervecita. Kristen, take Yay. it away. So, La Hora de la Cervecita today is brought to you by Slow Brew. It sounds very sexy, like there should be some slow jazz playing in the background. <laughs> um, slow is Slow is S-L-O, which uh, for those of you who are not Central California born or raised or um, aware, Slow stands for San Luis Obispo. And this brewery is brewed in San Luis Obispo, and it is called Cali Squeeze. And this particular beer is beer for boobs. So it looks like there is a proceeds that go to breast cancer awareness and um, services. So this is a blood orange Hefeweizen. And I am a big fan of Hefeweizens during the summertime. They're lighter, but they still pack the punch of a little bit higher ABV. This one is 5.4 ABV. Um, and it says that it is bright, citrus, unfiltered, and refreshing. So um, fresh blood orange heft. I definitely am looking forward to this one. Open yeah, it. the can art is pretty simple. It's kind of like um, eggshell white with some pink uh, kind of fuchsia um, um, accents to it and font. Um, and I like how it says beer for boobs and the boobs are two little boobs, uh -oh, like little nipples. Boobs. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's super cute. It smells so orangey. It made my mouth water. As you guys know, I love blood orange. I love anything citrusy and just to smell it. It's really delicious smell. Yes, it smells so good. I wish it was red, though. <laughs> I would... I would risk myself with some little, um, some uh, red color dye in here. <laughs> <laughs> right? God. Um, so this is Sarah and I had a sip and Ooh. I love it. I Oh my gosh. It. Yeah. The Heffenweizen is one of the up and coming favorites of mine now. Um, uh, as we've done kind of our, our, I wouldn't say beer crawl. It would, it was more like a, day drinking trip in <laughs> uh, and we have the shandies those are heaven wise oh, right oh yes yeah. well usually they are made with uh with wheat beers um but sometimes they're out i have it with anything i make it work <laughs> i'm not the ipa it wouldn't work with ipa but i've done yeah. it with reds i've done it with lights um i've done it with pale ales but the heft seems to be the best 
yeah yeah and like i said it's it's one of my favorites up and coming um during the summer this is like super refreshing and it's crisp i don't know there's some light it's behind it very good yeah and this one uh i i made a joke earlier on when we started recording that i got drunk last night and that i was gonna do the beer taste and i was just gonna have a sip and then put it back in the fridge it's not going back in the fridge <laughs> I, I love it. I am loving this beer. It's so packed with like light flavors. I mean, there's a lot of flavorness, but it's so light and airy and and summery and just really delicious. It really is. It's so flavorful. A lot of Hefeweizens will not really. Um, there There's a lot of fruit flavored hefs out there. And you can taste it. It's almost like the La Croix of, of beers in that it's like a hint of taste. But this orange, blood orange is like so deep in this beer. It's so good. Yes, exactly. And the uh, tangy aftertaste is just so, I mean, I, I, you know what? I love everything about this beer. I, looking at the, at the can art, I was just like, eh, you know, but the taste speaks for itself. And I love that about some beers where um, they don't really rely on their can art. They rely on their taste. Like in this one, just, oh my God, this is, this is really surprisingly amazing. Yes. And I believe I actually purchased it at Trader Joe's. So, because I can't recall going to any beer place since Beer Torrent Cellar, wait, Torrent's Beer Cellar. Closed down. I haven't been anywhere, and I've been driving by Caps and Porks, but I just—it's in the morning, and I think they're open in the morning. But I've just never stopped, um, because there's a Jamba Juice over there that I go to sometimes, and I'll drive <laughs> by it on my yeah. way to work. But, um, that's all to say that if I found it at Trader Joe's, then that means that it's widely available because I've been sharing some of the beers that I am I find at Trader Joe's and I have friends all the way as north as uh uh Santa Rosa who said that they have the same beer at their Trader Joe's so take a look at your local Trader Joe's uh to see if you have slow bruise Cali squeeze beer for Mm -hmm. boobs because it it is worth every last dime of your money (laughs) yeah so are you ready to rate it Yes. You okay. go first, Jen. Uh, well, let me let me remind people what our rating scale is. Yes. We have a five-point rating scale where one is flaccid, two is initial, three is partial, four is full, and a five is rigid. And if you really like it, we have a six out of five rating that is super saiyan. So go ahead, Jen. So I'm, I think I'm going to give it a rigid. I really like it. I was really surprised by when I took a sip and it was like super citrusy, super flavorful. And it had like a really nice bite that kind of lingered on the tongue as well. So I, I'm really enjoying it. So I'm going to give it a rigid. I love that. Well, guys, this is Sarah. And I got to say, dude, this one shocked the hell out of me. It's so delicious. And coming from a person who's hungover, <laughs> I, I think I think it's that extra po- uh, extra you know nudge. But I'm gonna go Super Saiyan. This is the Super Saiyan. Of Super Saiyan of Heaven Wisen for me, guys, because this 
oh my god down to like the tanginess on the tongue and the aftertaste oh my god i'm in love with this beer this beer needs nothing else just to be cold and yeah cold and naked i love it (laughs) (laughs) so this is kristen and like i said i love me some hefeweizen it is my favorite it's actually the first beer that got me into drinking beer even before the red car um there was a brewery up north in davis california called we called it Sudworks, but it was a german style brewery so it was pronounced sudvuk <laughs> um mm-hmm. and uh they did their own brews that was my first introduction to craft brewing and that was a that was in the 90s back in the day before it was a widespread thing and so we would hang out there and we would get uh we would get uh beers and their hef was the first hef that I drank in. and they also had shandies I remember that's the first time I ever had a shandy but I am going to give this I believe a rigid a five out of five um it's just really flavorful it's really good I'm hoping this is something that isn't a limited um the fact that it was at Trader Joe's leads me to believe that maybe um they do it yearly for um breast cancer awareness but Mm -hmm. i definitely will keep an eye out and i'm going to keep an eye out for more beer from this brewery i know you said you think we've done something from it before so that means we can um hopefully get more stuff down here because san luis obispo is central california so hopefully they are able to um distribute throughout the rest of the state so i'm going to keep my eye out for it for sure yeah, I, I as well. I'm going to probably go in and try to figure out how I can get more of this beer. It's really great. It, I think it's something that like if somebody isn't a, a craft beer drinker, this is something you could give them and introduce them because it's so flavorful, light, delicious. It's just, oh my gosh, it's just amazing. Like I said, for me, it was a Super Saiyan. So I'm just like the Super Saiyan of Hefeweizen. And I'm just like, oh my, first of all, <laughs> first of all, I, I'm getting to love Hefeweizen. And second of all, this one just really blew my mind. So uh, yeah, check it out, guys. All right, guys, it's now time for our book review. And what are we reviewing today, girls? So today we are going to be reviewing a book that Sarah brought to us because she backed the Kickstarter. It is a three. It's not a three issue story. We just got three issues of the story and it's called The Antagonist. And it is I'm going to um, bring up my copy here of issue three that I was reading. Um, It is published by Godhood Comics. And it is written by Tyler Martin. So, Sarah, how did you find out about this book and what led you to backing the Kickstarter? Yes, I'm part of a group on Facebook called Black Heroes Everywhere. Um, And one of the reasons I joined the group was because, like, I want to see more uh, stories of people of color. You know, and uh, I I also back a lot of Latino comics creators, uh, uh, groups and whatever uh, but uh, this particular one uh, came on a post uh, that God uh, Godhood Comics posted on Black Heroes Everywhere group and when I read the um, the post I was like oh this really sounds interesting so then I went ahead and clicked on the Kickstarter page and then I read more about it and I was like oh my god this is perfect like we need more Black Heroes and the, the thing of it is it's not only Black Heroes uh, 
the thing that caught my attention is it's a it's the story of family, but it's not only that the people that are forming this family were bad guys. <laughs> like they were they were villains. And then they retired from villainy, I guess. And uh they started a family. And I was like, this is and of course they're they're a black couple. And I was just like, I need this in my life. So I went ahead and backed it on Kickstarter and then I, I got the books. I um, I, you know what? It, I back so many things. On, I, I'm always on Kickstarter, so I'm not sure if uh, having the actual. Okay, now I remember. So I backed the um, PDF files because I hoped that I would go and meet them personally and then buy their book mm, physically mm -hmm. and have them sign it. Uh, but with COVID and everything that's happened, um, you know, that's not going to happen anytime soon. But that was my trade train of thought. Uh, most of the things that I back um, the PDF form is because I feel that I want to go out and search the creators out when they do make an appearance, have them sign a physical copy, and then take it home with me. But that's why I back this uh, comic. So on the Kickstarter, that was um, obviously a successful Kickstarter. They raised $25,425 of a 10,000 goal. They had 525 backers. That's pretty awesome. Uh, it says that married supervillains Destructus and Ultima struggle to protect their family and keep their past a secret decades after retirement. And um, I was saying how interesting that um, a lot of the stretch goals that were offered in this Kickstarter were um, offered by people that we know uh, in the industry um, are also very successful in uh, the uh, as black creators in the industry. For example, um, at a 13,000 stretch goal, there were copies of um, Niobe She Is Death, which is published by Stranger, Stranger Comics, Comics yeah. and also Harriet Tubman Demon Slayer number one, which is published by Kingwood Comics. So when I saw that, I was like, mm -hmm. oh, that's really cool. And I actually also think it's really cool how um, the comic book industry, when it comes to marginalized groups, really is super small and everyone knows everybody. And I think that's really awesome. And the support that they give each other um, is just amazing. So um, I read like you two the first three issues and I didn't really know what it was about I was like okay that premise sounds whatever but the writing to me I was really drawn in from the beginning oh to be yeah honest. oh my god oh my god the first snippet the first I guess three pages of the story how it opens up I was just like it slapped me in the face in a good way I loved it <laughs> mm -hmm. so the I Oh, sorry. Just real fast, I want to share that on the Kickstarter, it says a brief synopsis is it's been 20 years since the world has seen or heard from the infamous supervillains known as Destructus and Ultima. After years of trying to take over the world, the duo finally won during attack on the Capitol, the first step of many to ensure world domination. Their victory was short lived, however, as they vanished from the public eye. Wanted and pursued by the governments of the world, the couple retired and settled down in suburbia, Detroit. Now, loving and hardworking parents, Calvin and Tanya Eval, struggle to keep their worst impulses in check and their past identities hidden from the su their super-powered children. 
go ahead, Jen. I think you were going to say something. I'm so sorry. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Um, My Wi-Fi is cutting in and out a little bit. So uh, I if it looks like I'm not talking, I promise you that I am. <laughs> but... I really, really like the covers for this. And I really like the like opening title when it was like good for issue number one, where it said like good versus evil. And then uh evil is uh evil is um uh, spelled E-V-A-L. Uh-huh. That's the family that is the antagonist, uh, or like this antagonist. The antag- antagonistic protagonist <laughs> <laughs> uh, in the book. And it just, it, like, the language is. The language she was saying about is really, really amazing. Um, they don't pull any punches when they're talking about their experience as a couple of color in this. Yeah the sense on how you know a a lot of the times like we have uh white allies that cannot uh identify with the experiences uh people of color have but continue continue uh jen you were saying the language Uh, i think she's a little frozen i'm sorry i really want to hear your take on the language (laughs) you were talking about the language yeah it's really good it's um uh, it flows really well and it's like it's not some of the words had a lot of text but they like flowed really well so it wasn't like overbearing like Mm -hmm. of like you're just hit with a wall of text there was of course with a lot of issue number ones there is always like the job of trying to set like the world and stuff like that and trying to like set the background and stuff like that so you kind of have to say a lot and but for this one, it didn't feel like it was a lot, even though like visually you could see like there was some text and stuff like that. But it all flowed like really, really well. So I'm really glad that they were able to make that function. Yeah, the the flowing of it, w- because you guys know me, I'm like, ugh, that's too many words. But I <laughs> actually, um, when I saw a page full of word bubbles, I was like, already into the story and like wanting to learn more like when we hear when we learn in one of the uh, issues the backstory of how um destructus and ultima get their powers and what happened that evening the entire evening unfolded in a way that was just like i was like oh my god and they're still together all these years it was that was a a twist that I didn't see coming and um, really interested me. And at the end of issue three, it's just more like development in the story that made me wanted to continue to read. And I was very, very uh, enthralled, like I said, from the beginning. And um, it kept my intention the whole entire way. And honestly, I identify with Tonya so much. That's the reason why I could never be like uh, uh, I could never be a gun owner. I could never have superpowers because somebody pisses me off like that, and it's all over. I would also mount my boss's face off. Oh my! <laughs> you know what? Oh my god! I felt so much in in those scenes with Tanya. I mean, I mean, I don't know how she made it through twenty years of being undercover because the the toxic masculinity, the people who don't identify with what she's experiences as a successful black woman, mm-hmm. I was just like, I could not believe the shit that these people 
that the, the shit that came out of their mouth it was just like freaking crazy where they try to talk in a okay when they try to imitate a, a, a sort of speech or sort of like fami familiarity with the with the character like when they're like oh sister girl and i'm like no bitch don't just don't <laughs> I can't believe you just fucking did that. Or when they're like, oh, why are you Medea-ing out on me? Like, ugh, no, no. I mean, like, mm, I just, I was like, no, I can't believe you guys are doing that. But uh, yeah, so I, I saw that and I was just like, yeah, you know, I get it. Like um, sometimes when I, well, when I used to go out and about, they're like, oh, uh uh, when they're like, oh, mamita, and I'm like, oh, hell no. Did you just call me mamita? <laughs> no, motherfucker, don't talk to me like that. You don't know me. Uh -huh. <laughs> but yeah, you know, like, like talking down to people. I mean, it's just crazy. And not only that, like, um, Tanya, I felt I felt really, really close to Tanya as a character yeah. because of all the stuff she dealt with. But her husband he's the high school principal mm -hmm. and so and not only that but he he is a high school principal in a school where his daughter is attending school so i mean that's an extra level i remember going to school uh high school and one of the deans uh, had a daughter going to school there and oh my god i felt so bad for her because yeah because everybody knew who she was like as far as the faculty so anytime somebody did something wrong in her group in her, you know her clique or whatever they just called her out on it like mm -hmm. she was the first name mentioned yeah in the loudspeaker and i was like oh my god like so one time we were forming the 98 okay guys i graduated 94 so we were <laughs> we were uh forming the 94 on the field for the group picture and most of her group moved to a the from the four to the nine and they're like <clears throat> excuse me uh and then they called out her name and made all of the people in her group go back to the oh jeez i mean how embarrassing is that and that was just one instance that i that i saw personally so um but yeah it's just um it was a really well i mean i you know there's a lot of kickstarters that you back when they're like okay this is my first project or whatever and you back it because you want to support it but you kind of also feel like you're not gonna get like a like a full-fledged developed comic book like you know the kind of stuff that you read from dc or vertical you because they have editors and all this stuff backing them in their story and how it progresses but this comic book was so well it was so amazingly developed i don't know i mean i don't know their backstory i don't know if like they've you know grown up with comic books or you know they have literary backgrounds or you know like you know anything like that all i know is that this was really amazingly executed and i'm i'm so i mean i can't wait to meet this this uh, creative team in person i mean they they're, they're i can't wait to read the rest of the story i really loved it i know me either <laughs> <laughs> i'm hoping that uh we don't have to wait too long i know that there's a graphic novel that was a part of the uh kickstarter so i'm um, I know you got three issues, so I'm wondering if the graphic novel only had that three issues or um, I didn't read the whole the whole uh, Kickstarter, 
but um yeah it says uh when we reach this goal we'll continue all oh we'll combine all three issues into a graphic novel so if you get the graphic novel you'll get all three issues so we have to wait for what's coming up but the way that issue three ended you definitely know that they are continuing on with this story and i think it's a very interesting take um on a quote-unquote superhero story because this is definitely um the story told from uh the perspective of people who have superpowers but they've been taking shit for so long that now all of a sudden when they have the powers um like people fucked around and found out so (laughs) yeah i mean towards the the middle of the story i would have to say the second issue um when we got introduced to the people they were fighting against because these are obviously like if you pinpoint it these are villains right Mm -hmm. but i wonder are they really the villains because that's actually something that you question like in the second issue and not only that like the the quote-unquote heroes feel a little bit rough for me like it's sort of like a little bit of like the boys um uh-huh. I, I didn't read mm-hmm. the comic book the boys but I did see the Amazon series and uh yeah it it, it kind of feels like the boys as far as the, the representation of the heroes quote-unquote in the story and um I just can't wait to see what else they unfold because they're definitely issue three live leaves you at a cliffhanger where you're like oh my god i not now i want to know more like it's yeah like it, it just uh and i'm so glad they they did like a whole flashback um i think what, what was the third issue um uh, mm-hmm. we got to know more about the history behind what happened and why they retired and how they met and how they got their powers i mean all of that was packed into one issue but it didn't seem packed if you know if Mm -hmm. i don't know if i'm saying um it just it was really well paced story yeah and you bring up you bring up a lot of points that i'm sure are were very intentional by the creators i mean um these are black creators it's a black black publishing company and um i don't think it's lost on anyone reading the story that all of the um quote heroes of the story are all white they're called like the the main one was what his name was actually like american or something like that um i know there's lady liberty sergeant yeah. freedom home mm-hmm. runner and the eagle there, see so if you <laughs> if you if you look at all of those story or all those names those are all names that are clearly uh identified as american and they are all white as can be and very the way that they were portrayed very like uh purebred type things but yeah exactly like you're saying sarah um they were written in a way where definitely you can i think see that there was a lot of they also were taking a lot of liberties no pun intended with their uh, <laughs> with their entitlement um oh, and and I think that um, hearing Tonya's, uh, Tanya's uh, experiences, not only as um, a woman in a business, but a black woman, and then also mm-hmm. uh, her husband talking about, you know, they were trying to have this life and 
And he kept saying, you're back to your old self because we we saw her personality and how she was before she even had her powers. And there was some uh, little hints of something that was going on with her mother because someone said, you're just like your mom. And that was it. She got upset and she punched the person. (laughs) So I'm really interested to go even further back and learn more about both of their uh, both of their experiences before they even met. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, like mm-hmm. we're talking about three issues here, but even with all the stuff we've talked about, there was even a, a moment where we even saw the dynamic between the, the couple, like the actual argument between them. And that was just really, I mean, they had some really good points, some really good arguing points. And I was just like, you not only get like, the origin story you um you not only get like how they're living now and coping with their powers and being in retirement and living a normal life uh as people of color but also you get a dynamic of a relationship Mm -hmm. and that was just like wow like it was completely fully packed I was just like I mean as I'm reading I was as I was reading it I was writing these notes down and I was like oh my god this is just so full full of of story and and it doesn't like you said there the the word bubble seemed like a lot but when you're like so engaged in the story mm-hmm. you didn't even really notice that and and I, we didn't even talk about the art I really love the art <laughs> like yeah. the art was amazing I mean I I think this marriage between writer and artist is so well executed in the story I I really loved it and um like you were saying about the uh quote-unquote uh heroes it almost when I was reading about them, it almost seemed like, you know, I'm driving down in Texas and there's like this American, huge American flag waving on the back of the pickup truck. Like, that's what it feels like. Like, it's so like the Eagle, you know, Lady Liberty, Sergeant Freedom, you know, it's like, yeah, it's uh, you kind of really question yourself, like, what is a hero? What is a villain? Mm-hmm. And I love that. I love that they kind of twist that in this in this book. So um, anyway, and I mean, just I, before we move on and to review it, did you happen to mention that they are getting some kind of movie or TV deal? I didn't. I didn't at all. I was <laughs> I was going to, and then I totally forgot. But yeah, the antagonist uh, antagonist comic book series has been acquired for a TV adaptation of uh, by, uh, by Drama Cam Productions Rebrands. Um, we don't know anything about it yet, except that they may be picked up for a TV series. Mm-hmm. So if that happens, oh my god! So I'm sure they're in talks about it right now. We don't know any of the uh, details on it, but um, as I've always said i hope that they don't take the characters and do something with them that the audience will be unhappy with um and that's always been my thing like uh i hope that the characters stay creator owned and not being sold off and uh so hopefully uh, we get a really true rendition of what the creators that created these characters in the adaptation and tv series they're in talks right now negotiations they so hopefully it's something that we'll see in the future so if it does happen remember you heard it here first (laughs) are you ready to review the book oh my god yes (laughs) 
Um, this is Sarah, and oh my god, as you can see, I've been talking a whole slew of stuff. Um, uh, sometimes when I back stuff on Kickstarter, I do not expect to love it as much as I do. Um, you know, I kind of go, I, I know it's a risk, you go in with low <laughs> expectations. Uh, because I at first with Kickstarter, I went with really high expectations. <clears throat> as time progressed, as I kickstarted stuff and stuff like that, I learned that uh, not everything is like you know sad manual game and status like you know <laughs> it, it doesn't come off like that but the antagonist guys and I had it in my inbox for a while and then I was like okay fine I have time now I'll read it I read it and oh my god it blew my mind and it blows it still and so for that reason it gets the whole panaderia for me and I cannot wait to get more story so this is Kristen, and I also cannot wait. I really enjoyed it. It mm -hmm. uh, really pulled me in from the beginning, kept my attention all through three issues. Uh, and I am going to give it uh, three conchas and a cup of champurrado. It is just really good. And um, when it becomes safe, I hope we do get to travel to Atlanta, Georgia, and meet the creators in person and tell them to their face how much we love their And um, I'm going to give them three conchas, one for each book, <laughs> <laughs> uh, because it was really good and it was really interesting. And I really, really like it. And I like the um, uh, I like the story and I'm definitely interested a lot more in Ultima and Destructus and their past and that little hint of uh, tidbits that we got between uh, Destructus and the American and how like what uh, their past relationship was and stuff like that. So it's, it's all really interesting. And I want to know about their kids more too. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's, uh, it's, it's, there's definitely a lot of story and a lot of, a lot to unpack. So maybe it is something more like the boys and we'll get a lot more. So uh, three conches for me. All right, guys, that has been our book review. All right, guys, now it's time for En La Libreria. Jen, take it away. So today I have a book called Black, and it's a powerful autobiographical graphic novel following a second generation Windrush descendant through life in social care in the 1970s. So it is um, uh, by John Anderson, uh, who is an Eisner and Ignatz Award nominated, uh, or is working for uh, an Ignatz Award nominated publisher for comics and graphic novels. And they have a very strong like alternative force. So this is really good, but this is in itself is uh, UK based. And the little uh, synopsis that we have right here is Tobias Tait never knew his father, but he knew his mother all too well. After she killed his uncle, three-year-old Tobias was condemned to spend his early years in a series of bleak children's homes. As a Black youth growing up in 70s Britain, he learned firsthand that the world could be a cold and uncaring place for a child of the state. But he also learned to navigate and eventually to buck the system. Discovering a life outside the drab institutions that held him, he began a descent into a life of crime while simultaneously developing a love for literature and all its possibilities that grew within him. 
Black is a brutally honest, true story of a child's struggle against overwhelming odds, a testament to strength over adversity. So it's, uh, it's the artwork looks amazing. And it's something that we don't really hear about because we, of course, uh, know that there is a, a, like a strong Black population in the UK, but we don't really hear much about it. So this is like a really good kind of like uh, deep dive into uh, the how like, you know, race has played a, uh, a factor in the UK. So it is currently at $3,357 with a goal of $4,129. It has 130 backers in 18 days to go. And the base pledge starts at actually uh, at one pound which is about two dollars uh and you can just this is just to like help uh support the book and then it leaps up to seven pounds which is about ten dollars uh and it that's the digital edition that you get in pdf and then the next one above that is the actual soft cover edition of the book at 17 pounds or about 24 dollars so this is about average for uh, most Kickstarter books and graphic novels. And you can get a very nice hardcover version of it for 30 pounds, which is about $42. So Black uh, on Kickstarter. That's awesome. Um, I actually uh, agree with you, Jen. Uh, we don't hear much about the Black community in the UK. Um, it wasn't until I May Destroy You, the TV show that I saw with that, I was like, oh my God, like, why don't we have more of this, you know? Uh, mm -hmm. And Bridgerton came out on Netflix, and I was just like, yes. Uh, but thank you so much for bringing that to our attention. Thank you for your En La Libreria segment. I think it, it reminds me of, wasn't there a Sinead O'Connor song called Black Boys on Mopeds? Or I, if, there was if, a line in a book, maybe I mean, in a song. Maybe it wasn't called Black Boys on Mopeds, but I remember in the song she talked about, there was like some race, racial uh tensions and stuff and i remember that as a teenager Sinead, bringing back Sinead o'connor into the conversation <laughs> wow that's a really uh blast from the past you know what <laughs> if there was a song like that i don't remember it but now i want to go and look for it yeah i know me too all right guys it's now time for juntos y fuertes Kristen, what do you have for us today so just as a reminder, our segment Juntos y Fuertes is a segment where we highlight uh, creators who are members of marginalized groups that we feel need um, more support and um, raising up of their voices. And so today it is very poignant for us to be talking about Godhood Comics. And Godhood Comics is the publishing company that published The Antagonist. Um, that we just read. And um, they are a Black-owned and independent comic book publisher based in Atlanta, Georgia. Um, funny side note, when I graduated from college, I actually applied to be a um, AmeriCorps um, member. And I specifically requested Atlanta, Georgia, because I was a huge Atlanta Braves fan. And I just wanted to go and watch <laughs> baseball games. <laughs> Um, but, um, I never went in my life when I went in a different direction and here I am talking about comic books. 
Um, but uh, they write, create, and publish comics featuring diverse characters and concepts that highlight stories of primarily people of color. Diversity is their end game, and they strive to bring stories that have been put on the back burner to the forefront. Stories by us, about us, for all. So you can find out more information about Godhood Comics at godhoodcomics.com. And on the website, you can join their mailing list. You can contact them. You can check out all of the other books uh, and T-shirts and products that they have. Um, There is a um, section where you can shop. There's a blog. There's all kinds of stuff. Um, And you can purchase your very own copy of The Antagonists. They have issue number one and two up there. There's also another book called Mega Woman. Um, Keisha Carter is Mega Woman number one. Uh, there's also Mega Woman number two. Um, there is a book called Sharpshooter uh, and then Antagonist. So, I mean, if all the other books that are up there are of the same caliber as the book we just read, I can only imagine that there is just so much more amazing content to be had. So check out godhoodcomics.com and um, give them your support. Absolutely. All right, guys, now it's time for saludos. Y, uh, who, a quien estamos saludando hoy, Kristen? Today, we're giving saludos to a fan. And I think we've done this um, a few times in the past, but this fan has really, I have to say, really invigorated my passion for what we do and why we do it. Um, her name is Melanie Madrid, and she reached out to us on Facebook um, saying that she just learned about our podcast and she was starting all the way back at number one. And she's, she's been writing us messages on Facebook after she's listened to the episode. And I'm telling you, I'm going down memory lane with her just mentioning the stuff that we're talking about. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, this was so long ago. We started back in 2016 and our podcast has evolved so much since then. And she actually made me super interested in going back and re-listening to what we've talked about. But the, the interesting thing and the most important thing, I think, was that as a new listener, she is very um, happy to have found us because she says that um, she was going to create um, a podcast for one of her classes. And so she wanted to do... Um, a podcast on women in comics. And so she kind of was researching it and she just found a whole bunch of men, male-led comics, and then she found ours. And she says she's a Hispanic woman and she was immediately drawn to our podcast because she, um, she'd always wanted to hear other Latina women talking about something she loved um, because that was not necessarily something that was easily accessible to her. So that kind of thing, I mean... All of us here on the podcast have our own experiences where we talked about not having somebody who was like us and had our same interests. Um, You and Jen specifically more when you were younger because you were into comics back then. Um, And I just was so happy that our podcast 
is reaching people and doing what it is that we intended for it to do, which is to uh, create a space where people can come learn more about uh, women and Latinx creators, um, listen to um, other Latinas talking about it, putting our own take on it, putting our own cultural spin on it. I just am so excited to um, hear her experience from going back and experiencing our podcast from the very beginning. So our saludos goes to Melanie Madrid, who is just a um, new listener that is just giving us so much fire to just keep doing what we're doing. Yeah, absolutely. I When I read the messages, I'm like, my heart just bursts with happiness because <laughs> some of the, I mean, some of the stuff that we do when we're like, we're going to give a gift, uh, we're going to do a raffle for uh, people who listen or rate and review or subscribe, whatever, to our podcast or our content. <clears throat> and we do that because we want to interact with the audience, but sometimes that doesn't happen. Some people get busy. Some people don't get, get a chance to interact with us. But with her reaching out to us like that, it just it just cemented uh, my 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 love for what we do and giving me new life and or or breathing in new life in me that maybe had died down a little bit because of the pandemic we can't mm -hmm. get together you know be in the same room or whatever and drink beers and have snacks or interview people so you know that that you know life pretty just hammers stuff out of uh, out of you and for her to reach out to me to us was just breathing life right back into me just like it was amazing and thank you so much for that because that means the world to us and you just writing those words just oh my god just gives us so much energy gives us so much more coraje like thank you thank you for that it's nice to know that people are listening and they like what we have to say and a lot of the times uh I'm like man is anyone even really listening like, I know <laughs> usually like usually yeah we do know because I'm uh, some of like the friends that we've made through the show mm -hmm. uh, like reach out to us and they're like oh my god I love this episode and stuff like that uh but it's still, it's nice to know that people are going back and listening to our horrible audio quality <laughs> <laughs> and still enjoying it. And so, here we are, full you. circle. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, that brings us to the end of this episode. Um, thank you so much for listening. Where can they find us, girls? You can find us at commodicycomics.com where you can find all of our social media links and uh, listen to our episodes and learn more about uh, us as um, just awesome fantastic women so definitely check us out commodicycomics.com Yes, and you could always email us at comadrecomics at gmail.com. Uh, we check it regularly. And so if you want to, and or as uh, Melanie did, she uh, instant mess or uh, uh, what is, the DM, what do they call it? Direct yeah. message? Direct message, yeah. Uh, to <laughs> us on Facebook. And we were able to get that right away. There are other people who have DM'd us on Instagram. So mm -hmm. that's a possibility. There are endless possibilities on how to reach us um jen what about you what do you wait sorry what 
<laughs> we were talking about how they can uh, reach us. Oh, yes. They can reach us on our website, madresycomics.com. Excellent, guys. So this has been, uh, this is the end of our episode. We have been your host. I'm Sarah. I'm Kristen. And I'm Jen. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye. Bye.